everybody. Welcome to Turn It Up, an intermittent podcast from Turning, your hybrid learning leader, celebrating the potential and the people behind effective hybrid learning solutions. Turning is committed to engaged and equitable learning for everyone, everywhere. So if you're an educator or a student or a trainer or worker or just overall believer in equitable and engaged learning, you have come to the right place. And uh, hey, we, we've got a good one for you today because uh, we are going globe trotting again to uh, welcome all the way from South Africa, uh, Mr. David Wilson of Participate Technologies, um, just one of the one of the many companies, uh, but I think it was the first company that uh, they founded about 15 years ago that delivers engagement enhancing technologies uh, to events and conferences, classrooms, um, colleges, uh, getting into government stuff as well. Um, but that's not all. And that's not all we're going to talk about today uh, because this serial innovator and a uh, bit of a do-gooder, I think, is also the founder of Future Proof, uh, a very cool organization, uh, also serving the, uh, the kind of the greater uh, South Africa uh, kind of area, the youth of South Africa, by exposing them to entrepreneurial thinking, action, and opportunities in an effort to uh, break the cycle of poverty. Uh, most importantly, he's a husband, a dad, a mentor, uh, and a very active community improver in his area of the world. So that's what we're going to talk about today, all the way from kind of the Johannesburg-ish area of South Africa. Let's get ready to turn it up today with Mr. David Wilson. Hey, David. Hey, Jeff. Thank you so much. Uh, well, well, good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you're tuning in and whatever time this is playing in your region. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for the invitation to do this. Uh, yeah, no. to know me. Uh, I'm somebody who likes to talk a lot. <laughs> and, and and that was a, a pretty incredible and somewhat humbling introduction. Appreciate well, that. Well, I have to say there's there's a fair amount of material that was left on the cutting room floor, David, because it was very hard uh, getting that down to a pithy little intro. I mean, you are obviously uh, the kind of guy, I mean, we're going to talk a lot about technology and education and, and, you know, hybrid learning and engagement here, but I mean, you are obviously the kind of guy who has taken this whole life living thing seriously. I mean, you've thrown yourself into a variety of, you know, entrepreneurial, you know, innovative areas. Uh, I didn't even talk about the business you started with your wife for crying out loud. I mean, so now she's <laughs> going to be upset with us. Uh, so we're really, we're going to try to fence this episode into uh, the great work that you've been leading uh, you know, kind of around engaged learning and experiences. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to have to talk about future proof too, because that just sounds way too cool. Uh, but let's, let's start maybe with, let's start, let's start narrow and then we'll kind of get bigger. So let's start kind of with, you know, kind of how you got into this area, you know, the, in your, in your area of the world as well, you know, it's really cool. You're, you're our first guest from South Africa. So that's going to be kind of cool. Um, so let's maybe dial it back a little bit. How did you end up just in this space of kind of learning engagement and, and events and technology and the role that it all kind of, how'd that all come together for you? Well, I think it's, it's been a pretty fascinating journey and I, I would kind of term myself perhaps a student of life and, and I love learning and, uh, and seem to kind of try to pursue that as much as I can on a daily basis. Maybe just for the benefit of the learners, let me start with kind of looking at South Africa some people may not know much about South Africa, where we are on a map. Um, and they've probably heard of a couple of popular South Africans, the likes of uh, Madiba or Nelson, the late Nelson Mandela, 
uh, one of our previous presidents, an incredible person who I didn't have the privilege of meeting, but I do have an incredible painting of him up in my office. Mm. Uh, South Africa is often referred to as the Rainbow Nation. We have nine uh, geographical provinces and we have 11 uh, languages, 11 registered official languages, of which I speak English and I would say a bit of Afrikaans and uh, some Zulu, which I learned at school, and then um, you know a couple of different phrases that helped me to get by, uh, which is helpful. And I mean, it, it, is, it is an amazing place to live. I'm an incredibly passionate South African. Um, I still think it is a real privilege to stay where I do. I mean, just to give you some kind of context where I sit, I am just north of Johannesburg, kind of halfway between Johannesburg and Pretoria, uh, two major cities in, in the country. Uh, I'm uh, quite a keen cyclist and I can jump on my bicycle like what is today? Today's Tuesday, so I last rode on Sunday morning. I left my driveway, pulled out of my garage into the street and within 30 minutes I was cycling past wild animals. They are fenced, so it's not mm. open terrain, uh, but that's kind of the, the location I live. South Africa is about double the size of Texas, to give you a point of reference, and about double the population. So depending on which statistic you read, we're looking at about 58 odd million uh, people there about. Um, I think Texas is probably sitting around the 30 million uh, mark. Uh, South Africa is made up of a bunch of beautiful beaches along the coastline. We have amazing wild parks. Uh, we do have a couple of little mountain uh, areas. The Drakensberg is a, a famous area. And so a lot of, I, I like to kind of, describe South Africa as like a mini version of America where, you know, I can get in my car and drive for six hours and get to the beach or I can jump in an airplane mm. and I can fly for an hour and I'll be at the beach. So I don't have to mm. travel these long distances to get to different trains and experiences. Everything's kind of quite neatly tucked in close together. So hopefully that, that's kind of helpful. Um, that's cool, yeah. Uh, I, I think in terms of, you know, our economy and population, I mentioned we're about, you know, 58 odd million people. We are the world's largest producer of platinum, gold, and chromium. Um, we are a commodity-based currency. Uh, most of our, our, our kind of, well, we have about $100 billion annually in exports. And um, our leading exports uh, beyond the, uh, what's it, platinum, gold, and chromium, are gold, iron, ore, and platinum as well. And uh, so it's an interesting place to live. In terms yeah. of the education space, we have, um, and again, depending on your definition of an official university, we have 20 kind of registered uh, universities as well as six what they call universities of technologies. And then in the kind of furthering education space, we have about 450 colleges, uh, which we define as FET colleges, which stands for Further Education and Training. Um, so that's kind of the space in terms of how many uh, we refer to our students as learners often. Uh, in the public space, there's probably around about 12 and a half million learners thereabout. And in terms of schools, you're looking at about 24,000 public schools. That's kind of in the public space. And then in the independent or private space, uh, just under half a million learners there and just under about 2,000 registered kind of schools. So hopefully that gives a little bit of context yeah. to the environment of South Africa um, and, and kind of the educational space. Yeah. In terms of my personal experience, uh, I was first exposed to what we called response technology way back in probably 1999, 2000, 2001, thereabouts. Um, don't want to give away my age. And uh, <laughs> at, at, at that stage, we, we dealt with a, my first interaction with a product from Germany uh, called or Braille product called Digivote saw this, I was really intrigued by this technology and I did a freelance job as a student 
for an organization that provided its services at a conference and events. And it was just absolutely amazed by this. And it was quite an entrepreneurial organization. And, and the um, owner of the company gave me permission to kind of explore and expand and learn about it. And so I did my research. That's, in fact, where I first came across turning technologies way back in 2001. Um, back then, the founder, Mike Bodrick, had just founded the, um, the organization. It was still kind of new on the map. There's only a handful of global players at that, at that stage. So uh, that's back in 2001. I kind of left that business, worked on a couple of other ones, and found myself in uh, 2006 uh, starting my own business, having been made in 2005. Um, and this little business has grown to supply services now in 14 countries. We probably have just over 100 different schools using the turning technologies uh, uh, clickers or response cards, we like to call them. Uh, we have on our books 24 kind of uh, universities locally in South Africa. We have over 500 corporate customers. Uh, we have sold locally uh, just over 50,000 devices, mm. which is quite exciting for us. It seems mm. like a big number in South Africa. Um, and then in terms of perhaps our biggest current user of, of um so I'm talking primarily the Turning Point product range uh, is our university just down the road from me, University of Pretoria. And there we've got probably 450 to 500 instructors using the technology, as well as 15,000 students registered in, in the database. So hmm. that's kind of that. And then Future Proof, as you mentioned earlier, so I'll just throw it in there. That was a, probably more a passion project than anything. And that was started uh, 2018, 2019. For me, time is a blur between COVID and having kids right. in the last 10 years. I just I noticed like either before kids or after kids right, is my, right. my benchmark. But uh, Future Proof really is a passion project. I think that uh, for me seeks to address one of the key challenges that we face in on the tip of Africa and South Africa and across our continent. And that is, you know, education alone is perhaps not enough because if we can educate our, our young children and there's no job for them to go to, like what is the value of education? So we want to complement education by providing them with the tools and skills and, and kind of ingrained behavior to look at starting their own businesses so they can create more jobs and we can create businesses because I think there's a massive opportunity for that. And, and unfortunately, there's some rather devastating statistics in South Africa with regards to youth unemployment and these types of things. So that was just yeah, yeah, something that we're passionate about. And we've got some really big kind of what I call big, hairy, audacious goals in that space to yeah. to achieve some big numbers there and educate a lot of people. I think we've done about 3,000 or 4,000 odd kids through that process at this stage. Yeah. Well, and I can imagine just having spent so much time um, in the education space, you know, prior to Future Proof, it really gave you a good sense of you know, kind of where the needs were and, and, you know, kind of getting to know, you know, kind of getting to know your audience, if you will. If, if you, if you go back to when, when, um, when you started, uh, participate technologies and, and, and how the technology was being utilized, you know, talking about education, have you seen it change over the last, you know, 15, 16 years in terms of how the technology is being applied, especially in schools or has it as, as, is the, is the overall, you know, kind of mission of engaged learning, um, which is a noble mission. That's what we talk about on this podcast. Um, <laughs> has that just persisted? You know, is it is it as true today as it was 15 years ago? Or have you seen it evolve at all over the last 15 years? It's a, it's a really good question. Um, uh, for me personally, um, I think it hasn't changed enough. You know, there's that phrase, mm -hmm. as much as we see things change, as much as they stay the same. 
um, or something like that in terms of a quote. But there has, you know, South Africa is a fascinating place when it comes to education. We have had over the last, um, call it 15 odd years, a, a massive focus or movement towards outcomes-based education in schools. Mm. Um, and it's it's quite challenging in our, our localized environments. So we have a lot of um, child-led households. So we have orphans um, or perhaps orphans or orphaned children who then live with granny and granddad. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they need to go to school and they will learn and but then they have to bring home kind of study material or work but quite often their parents or grandparents might not be literate and, and so mm-hmm. it does bring some really really big changes but uh, I guess trying to focus really on you know what I've seen change and experience in IRA, um it's been fascinating. I think there's a, there's been the movement, you know, from hardware towards software, and in some environments back towards hardware. I, I think more recently, and I guess the buzzword that nobody really likes, COVID nineteen coronavirus has forced this disruption in just about every single institution around the world, yeah. um, and it's also showed us how much is possible in a virtual space. You know, I think the World Economic Forum. I was doing some reading. They say that more than 1.2 billion children across 186 countries were affected by school closures in the pandemic. Mm. And, and so this is not something that any of us really chose. It was forced upon us. And we've had to get creative and get creative really quickly in order to deliver education so that our, you know, our kids aren't left behind. And that, that's not unique to South Africa. That's a, that's a global thing. Totally. Yeah. And actually I was going to ask that question and I'm going to timestamp this a little bit. So we're having this, we're having this, this talk in August, you know, kind of getting ready, at least here in the States to, for, you know, kids to go back to school, students go back to college. Um, and so here, you know, we're, we are dealing with, you know, still some uncertainty around, you know, our kids going to go back, our parents going to be okay, sending their kids back. And so there's very much still a need for, you know, uh, schools and colleges, uh, even workplaces to have sort of these, you know, kind of virtual hybrid learning um, options for people. Are you finding that, is that similar in South Africa in, in the markets that you're dealing with? Is, is, is there this, you know, and I hate this term, but I'm going to use it, you know, is the new normal, <laughs> is, that, is that something that you're also seeing uh, exist uh, in, in, in the areas you serve? So I might challenge that and say, was there ever a normal to begin with? Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. But in, in terms of this, yeah, what people are coining the new normal, I think it's just different. Um, and certainly, uh, you know, the, the schooling systems here have been massively, massively disrupted. And it's, uh, I think for us, if I look at perhaps I referenced University of Victoria a bit earlier, um, it is fantastic that they had um, the turning point application in place there. Uh, because, you know, they're positioned to continue almost, I don't want to say as normal, but they could continue with learning because they have the facilities to to do this kind of remote learning setup with mm-hmm. relative ease. Yeah. Um, I, I think the challenge came is that most people's houses perhaps weren't equipped to do this and everyone was trying to figure out. So, you know, maybe mom was homeschooling with the kids or dad and mom together homeschooling with the kids around the dining room table. And then you've got an older sibling who's trying to do university work, a younger sibling who's, in, you know, a young age and trying to learn school. And that, that, that doing that in online is quite a challenge. Yeah. And so I think uh, the challenge is largely readiness. I mean, here in South Africa, we, we've just this week uh, passed 500 days of effective lockdown. So we were locked down in, uh, what was it, March 20. 
6th of last year. My son's birthday was March 27th. So he had his birthday the first oh. day of lockdown. And we oh went to go out and leave That's the house. So, but I, I think we, you know, we've learned a lot in the you know fifteen odd months that have that have transpired, and people are better equipped. And we're kind of setting up these home offices. Interesting enough, Statistics South Africa, which is our main kind of facility for collecting statistics, they basically said, and they were tracking the impact of COVID nineteen here locally in South Africa, and just over seventy five percent of households indicated that they had smartphones that could be used for home learning. Of which there was a further, you know, thirty-six percent that said they could use tablets, and sixty-one percent of them, believe it or not, said that they had access to a laptop of sorts. And and so the infrastructure was there for them allowed to, I guess, receive this online education. But the whole system has to kind of catch up and be able to then deliver it. And I think that's been probably the the most significant challenge. And they are certainly not, uh, you know, linked just to South Africa. This is a yeah. this is a global challenge everybody's facing together yeah yeah and not to not to not to strike too you know cynical of a tone but you know you, you could also hear some of those statistics of you know 61 percent of homes that have you know whatever tablet but then you got also got as all right 40 percent don't so you yeah. got so and if you're one of the four and ten families that don't that's a that's a really big barrier do you find within you mentioned earlier that south africa is kind of like a it's like a little mini it's like a little mini America um, in terms of, you know, you got lo- you know, a little bit of everything there. Do you find any regional differences in terms of where technologies like, you know, the, the technologies that you, uh, <clears throat> that you pedal in, if you will, <laughs> are yeah. they embraced? <clears throat> are they embraced or uh, more or less accessible uh, sort of geographically by in the markets that you serve? So, so we do have a large rural market um, in, in South Africa. So, you know, I mentioned earlier that we've got, call it 26 of thousand schools. Um, most of those schools are in rural locations. Hmm. Um, many of those schools might not have electricity. Many of those schools might not have running water even. Um, not in every case, but there is a significant portion. And so getting technology into those places will remain a significant challenge, I think, for, certainly for the next decade. Yeah. I think there's been some incredible, sorry, I'm bumping my table here. Um, there's been an incredible um, movement towards that, and they've got some amazing projects that are part of that. There's a lot of funding being pushed into South Africa, both by government and by private institutions. And I think, you know, the vehicle of the mobile phone plus 3G data or 4G data is, is providing such a massive opportunity to get information out there. Um, so, so it is... It's definitely possible. Is it happening? Uh, from my perspective and, and my opinion, probably not fast enough. I think mm-hmm. we can certainly do a lot better, um, but there is an amazing opportunity. And when you do do it, like there are some areas where where it's received, it is just it's so inspiring. I mean, I'll, I'll share a story of a, a good couple of years ago. I probably, I would hazard a guess at about 2015 odd, maybe 2014, somewhere around there. I was invited to to be a, a guest speaker at an educational conference um, around the corner from us here near a place called Sun City. You can go Google that, go to Google Sun City Resort and you'll find an amazing place. Um, it's a, like a local resort, uh, I guess our equivalent of a Disneyland almost in some respects in South Africa. And uh, just around the corner from there, there was a, a college where we, I was then invited to deliver this talk. And so I arrived 
had phones, so what technology is available? Like, yeah, we've, we've got a you know, big kind of auditorium space or school hall. Um, so there is power. You can plug in your laptop. We've got a projector. And I said, well, that's great. That's all I need. I'm going to come and I arrived there with, with 500 of our physical clickers. And we then kind of distributed those to these orders. Now, most of these people came from the local areas. And I'm talking very rural, um, not, you know, the, the poverty stricken, uh, stricken areas where they don't have access to some of the basic stuff. And we handed out, you know, we referred to them as clickers, our response cards. And I did this this exercise with them about education and just how, how we can change our perspective. And I used the clickers to make that truly engaging and also to collect some data, obviously being being a mm -hmm. corporate person to learn mm -hmm. from from my from, from the audience. And mm -hmm. it was just the most I mean, I've almost got goosebumps as I as I say this, um, just to watch these. We had older ladies in the front kind of row. When I say older, more mature ladies. Um, in South Africa, there's a, you know, the term, the Zulu term for granny is gogo. So we've referred okay. to them respectfully as gogos in the front of the audience. And they, they were, they had their cell phones out or their mobile phones and they were taking pictures and they were so excited by this technology. And like, I it just, it was the most incredible experience to, to have been a part of that, to have exposed them to, to this type of technology and, and to watch their reception of it. And so I think there's a massive opportunity that exists still to be taken advantage of in, in the way of we can better our education systems and get more people educated with the use of the technology that's that's at play here. And particularly now what we're learning through this kind of uh, pandemic and hybrid learning, we can actually teach a lot more people um, simultaneously. You know, we don't, mm -hmm. we're not limited to the physical classroom where we can, yeah. you know, see 20, 30, 40 students. We've now got this massive opportunity with great technology to, to really have a positive impact. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think I love that story by the way, because I can, I can picture, you know, like, like my mom who's a little yeah. bit uh, along in age and, uh, and uh, you know, there's a, there's a, I can see it in her and, and her friends. There's uh, there's a, a little bit of anxiety with technology, you know, like, Oh, yeah. I can't, you know, figure that out. But I tell you when, when you figure out how to, you know, get something fired up, you know, uh, and I always tease her like, you know, on the Google machine and when all <laughs> of a sudden things start clicking, yeah, there's just this, this engagement. And, and I think sometimes, you know, for folks like us that are so deep into the technology, we end up getting wrapped around the axle sometimes around, you know, how, how sophisticated can it be? What can it do with all the intelligence? Yeah. And really at the end of the day, what you saw that day is that's the goal. The goal is just to captivate you know whether it's a 12 year old or a 72 year old it's it's using the technology to and it sounds so simplistic but just to really engage the the people the learners that, that's it as long as you have the attention you the sky's the limit but if if you can't break through uh that barrier then it doesn't matter how smart everything is you know what i mean it's just I, like, I, you I really have to agree i mean i would probably add to that and i think for me the most important ingredient and it, it's easy for it to go missing or to dissipate and that's passion yeah. um, we need passionate educators passionate teachers because when you're excited it becomes fun and engaging and, and and i think we can use tools i think somewhere along the line if you look at the history of education go back to industrial revolution and you kind of move towards where we are today uh, i think for me somewhere along the line learning became a chore mm -hmm. and as soon as it did that yeah. we kind of lost sight of the fun element. And so when we bring in fun elements and, you know, the 
concepts of gamification and these types of things. You know, we don't really see it as a chore and we become excited and passionate and then learning just happens organically. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a much more positive experience and the outcomes are better. You know, our pass rates are improving those types of things. So, mm. oh, Very, very, very well said. Um, well, hey, to wrap up here, yeah, we could talk all day. Uh, and, uh, and we just, for, for the benefit of our listeners, we should probably try to land this plane here. So, um, so anyway, to, to wrap up here, we are at the, uh, uh, the closing segment of the show that we like to call Turning the Page. Uh, it's the uh, the regular part of the show where if we haven't gotten to it already, um, we give each of our guests, like David, the chance to kind of look into a crystal ball of sorts to see or to wish or predict the future a little bit here. So you get to put your prognostication cap on here, David. So uh, as you as you as you turn the page to the future of, you know hybrid learning and technology and, you know, all the stuff that you've been dealing, you know, in and with and leading um, uh, with, with, with partners like Turning, you know, this whole mix of equitable engagement um, in schools and work and life. And, uh, you know, how is it different in, you know, five years from now, you know, what's what, or what's your wish for how it's different uh, five years from now? Gosh, Jeff, I think uh, from my side, I would definitely lean towards you know, a wish rather than trying to predict it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think, you know, I've got a couple of friends and colleagues that I know that are, you know, trend specialists and futurists and these types of things. And it's always interesting to see what they get right and what they get wrong. Right, right. You know, I, I think, you know, the reality is education perhaps has been one of the slower industries to adopt, um, you know, to technology. And, and I think that's because fundamentally it's different. You know, we, we, we tasked with educating the future. We tasked with teaching young people how to do things and, you know, so they can survive one day in the world on their own. Um, so my wish, I, I think is just, yeah, what is my wish that more people are educated? That would be my wish. I mean, that's, that's what mm-hmm. uh, the, the goal of future proof is, but I, I think what, what is the reality and what perhaps can we expect? You know, I think this pandemic for us, you know, has forced or seen schools switch to this blended learning through necessity. So they didn't have the choice. They've not had to, had to do it. And I think it's it's shown that it's possible. And I think that the, the resistance is now less because it's happened. And people say, well, actually, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And I, I think we're going to see it become the preferred option for many parents. I think this has shifted world thinking. Our, our, our daily habits are going to be different. Like, do we need to school? Um, from 8 a.m. to midday, if that's the case. Like now that we are not necessarily traveling to a destination to be educated, uh, we can relook really at that. Um, so if we can be educated on the go, we could have parents that might be able to travel more around the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we could be educated from anywhere. And, and so I think it's, there's some amazing opportunities that, that might come up. And I think there's going to be a shift in the way children learn because of this new hybrid uh, facility that exists that we're going to, you know, we're going to see more and more innovation and interesting technologies. And I think for me, you know, perhaps this is a wish that I'd like to see educators go back to focusing on the process of learning again, because I think, you know, probably for the last two decades, maybe we've been, you know, lost in the high pressure, high stakes kind of testing environment and maybe lost some of our creativity. And so this pandemic and this recent experience has maybe given us an opportunity to go visit or revisit those creative routes. And so we can redesign some of these educational processes for the better. So we mm-hmm. can be more inclusive, you know, right across the board. 
and we can make learning fun and more effective and, and ultimately create a better future. I always say to people, you know, I, I invest in education in my country because that's my future. I would like to live in my country, you know, until one day I, I move on to the next part of life. Um, <laughs> and, and in order for that to happen, I, our children of today are going to carry the economy of tomorrow. Yeah. So, you know, whether you actively involved in education, we should all play a role in it because all of our futures depend on it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So I'm so, uh, sorry. I don't think I really answered the question. No, kind of I think you had a lot of, around. <laughs> no, I think you had a lot of wishes in there and I, I agree with all of them. And I think what the stuff that you're doing with future proof is actually um, a way to not only just have those wishes, but actually do some things to get those wishes realized. So I think it's, uh, I think it's fantastic. Uh, David Wilson, thank you so much for joining us today on Turn It Up. Really appreciate uh, your time and, and, and more appreciate the, the great work that you're doing out there uh, in, in South Africa. And uh, if you're, when you're here in the States, make sure and look us up. And when we are in South Africa, we will find you. Yeah, uh, um, I, I guarantee you. So well, thank you so much, David. Jeff, my absolute uh, pleasure, and thank you for the invitation to do this. Thanks for listening. Visit us at turning.com to see how turning can turn up your hybrid learning.